such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. And it would be so easy to just linger here, but I believe where we're at right now is no coincidence because I do believe I have a word from the Lord for this congregation here this morning, each and every person in this room today, and I do believe it falls right in vain with what we've been singing this morning, but also what atmosphere is being created right now. So don't go to sleep on me. Certainly don't go to sleep on the Lord. We'll be right back here in a little bit. But I do have a word that I feel to share this morning with everyone here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can head back to your seats. But again, don't, don't, don't tap out. Don't sit out on, on what's happening here. But I do want to turn to the word of the Lord. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. As always, I give honor to our amazing pastor. In his absence. You don't just clap when he's here. In fact, believe it or not, you're probably doing a more honor when you clap and he's not here. Because he's not there to, you know, get the, the, the or let me say, it's not a reflection of you. You know, sometimes the kids do well when the parents are watching. But it's a reflection of your character when the parents aren't watching how you behave. And so if he's not here to say, wow, they love me, but you still give him honor, I think it says something about your character and your love for your pastor. And I, I truly do appreciate him. I, 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 he's an amazing man, amazing leader, and it's been a privilege to get connected with him all the more these last few years. And he truly has blessed my life, and I'm thankful for him today. I'm also thankful for this amazing body of Christ. Each and every one of you are awesome. I don't need to go into details right now, but obviously many of you know it's been a unique season for my wife and I. And uh, the love that we have felt, the prayers that we have felt, the support that we have felt, it, it's been amazing. And it's made all the difference in the world. And I, and I love each and every one of you. And I'm thankful for all of you here. So you can give yourself. You know, it feels weird. Just pretend you're doing it for the person next to you. That way no one's clapping for themselves. But you can give yourself a round of applause. Thank you. Praise God. I'm so happy to have my wife here with me this morning. I love her. And it's a privilege for her to be here as well. So I'm thankful for her to be here. Jesus' name. Can we pray for a moment, please? Just stretch your hands towards heaven right now. With your voice, let's just prepare the ground of our heart. Right now, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I lose your divine will, plan, and purpose to be fulfilled and established in this place this morning, God. God, that your spirit would lead and guide and direct everything that I say, God, that I would not say anything, God, with enticing words of man's wisdom, but simply, God, what your word wants me to say, God, what your spirit leads me to say, Father, that you would speak through me, God, that I would be a conduit and a vessel for you, God, that each and every person that is here could have an encounter with your presence, God, each and every person that's here could have deeper revelation of who you are and of who they are to you, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come against any spiritual opposition, any weariness, any, any, any bonds, any shackles, any chains, God, that any people have walked in here with, God, that would hinder them from hearing and receiving your word. I bind it right now in the name of Jesus. And I lose the liberty of the Holy Ghost to be in this place right now in the name of Jesus Christ. What you want to do here today, God, will be done. What you want to say, God, will be said. In the name of Jesus, that no person would leave the same way that they came, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. 
I thank you, Father, if you believe that, this, if you feel that way this morning, could you offer up some praise and worship with your hands, with your voice? Could you shout unto God with a voice of triumph if you believe it? If you believe that there is liberty in this place, if you believe that the Spirit of the Lord is in this room, in the name of Jesus, come on, He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You turn to your book in the Bible, the book of Acts, starting in chapter 16. We're picking up in Paul and Silas's journeys. Paul is preaching the gospel, sharing the good news, and doing miracle signs and wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. And we're picking up at a time in which he just got done performing one of those miracles, and he uh, set a woman free that was captive of spirits, and basically she was a fortune teller, a soothsayer, if you will. And some people from that area were mad that Paul had set this woman free because now what they were getting out of her gift or abilities because of the spirits uh, they would no longer receive gain from that and so they were mad with Paul and Silas and that's what we're picking up today in Acts chapter 16 verse 19 it says and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them into the magistrates saying these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, everybody say at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. For a few moments here this morning, like I said, we're going to get right back into that flow and that vein of worship and of praise that we were in earlier but for a few moments, I want to talk to you about the midnight hour. The midnight hour. What is your response at the midnight hour? What is your, your, your perspective at the midnight hour? What is your reaction in the midnight hour? In Jesus' name, with the help of the Holy Ghost, we're going to talk about that today. You can be seated in Jesus' name as long as you're not going to sit on Jesus and don't sit on me. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have already said, Paul and Silas, they find themselves in this predicament where they are now arrested, thrown into prison for doing the work of the Lord. They weren't like the other prisoners that were looking to gain things of their own. You know, I'm going to rob, I'm going to steal, I'm going to kill. That's not what they were there for. They were there because they were doing the Lord's work. But it wasn't good enough for Paul and Silas to simply be thrown into prison. First, they had to be ashamed. They had to get their clothes ripped off of their body, and then they had to be beaten to the point where there would be several stripes on their flesh. And then finally they'd be thrown into prison, but not just any cell in that prison, but the inner prison. A place of complete darkness, if you will. A place that probably was dirtier than the rest of the prison. I'll tell you this, I have not 
had to, I've never been arrested. I've never been in prison. Well, I've been in a prison, but it wasn't because of me. It was prison ministry. But I have, I've never had to spend the night in a prison. How about that? I'll say it that way. But I'll tell you what, I have a feeling, Brother Barr, that the prisons today are probably luxury vacations to the places that these people were going into in these olden days. They have three meals a day today. They've got probably pretty clean cells. They got their own bathroom sometimes, at least from the, I've seen from cinema. You know, they got their own little toilet there. I don't know. I'm assuming that's the case. The media lies, so I don't know. Maybe that's not what it's like. But either way, they got showers. They got all these things. They might, some of them have recreation. I'm pretty sure they were not concerned, especially the Romans, with recreation of the prisoners back in that day. So that said, what we have today as a prison is probably not the circumstances that you would find Paul and Silas in. It's a dirty cell. It's a dark place. They are in the inner prison, a place with no easy access to an exit, probably no window. It's a dark and cold place. And they're in this place, this dark and, and scary and dirty and filthy place. But it's not just that they're, 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 they're in this dark place. They're in this inner prison. But they have also been beaten. And they're probably wounded. They're probably bleeding from their flesh with these wounds, these stripes that were inflicted upon them. They're in this horrible circumstance, this horrible situation. And yet, what is their response? In a moment and a time in which we would have found it completely justifiable, given our perspective, given our lifestyle, for them to just sit back and say, God, I, I know I could worship you right now, Jesus. I know I could sing songs of praise, but my back is just in a lot of pain. It got beaten pretty bad, so I'm just going to sit here. And, 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 and also, the, uh, uh, the, their, their feet being fast in the stocks, it's literally like you ever seen those, those uh, prison where it's like this wooden beam that comes over and like their heads. Imagine that, but for your feet. That's what, wouldn't, that's what these stocks are. So they can't even really move. It's not comfortable. So in a time in which it would have been completely appropriate for them to just lay there and mourn and groan and cry and, and grieve and process what they were going through, instead their hearts find a place to praise. They find a place to worship. They find a place to offer songs unto God. At a time in their life when any other response could have, we would have deemed appropriate. We would have understood. But like, you know what? They've been through a lot. Just sit there and take care of yourself. They say, no, I, God's been too good. I've gone through too much. This is nothing compared to what I've already been through. He saved my soul. He's set me free before. So I'm going to find a song in my heart to sing. I'm going to find praise in my spirit to offer unto God. It's this paradox of praise that we find echoed through so many stories in Scripture. In fact, it's in the book of Hebrews that it even tells us that we are to have a sacrifice of praise. I don't know about you, but that sacrifice of praise, it kind of tells me it's not meant to be easy. If, if I need to give someone $100, someone you know, say, Matthew, let's say you asked me for 90 bucks. I've got $10,000 in my bank account. I don't, but if I did, praise God. I got $10,000 in my bank account. $90, Matt, I could probably swing it. I don't think it's going to be much of, a, much of a sacrifice for me. But let's say you need $90 and I've got $100 in the bank. Oh, Matt, I'm sorry, bro, but you, you're not eating tonight, bud, because that's a little tight. All of a sudden, my hand's going to get a little clinched. Why? Because it's going to be a bigger sacrifice. So if we're told to have a sacrifice of praise continually, probably not meant to have a, pray, a sacrifice of praise. My, my altar of sacrifice and of praise is probably not getting built when I'm on a mountaintop. It's probably not getting built when all the money's in my bank. It's probably not getting built when everything is going right in my life. A sacrifice of praise is going to come from a place where I'm hurting, a place when I'm burdened down, a place where I'm shackled, a place when it's not easy for me to let it go and give it to God. That's where the sacrifice of praise comes from. 
And that's the kind of sacrifice of praise and of worship that Paul and Silas offered unto God. I say this paradox of praise because it's this contrast. Our culture gives praise, gives recognition, gives honor when things are going well. Believe it or not, there's many types of praise found in Scripture, one of which is, is basically to just get crazy. And so believe it or not, they don't realize it, but when you go to an arena, a stadium, or people even at home watching a sports game, they're giving praise. It's a type of praise because they're getting crazy. They're getting radical. They're painting their faces, and they're screaming and spitting on each other and throwing their food. They're getting wild. That is one of the types of praise found in the Hebrew. So that's a type of praise. Why am I saying that? Because guess what? That team that was giving that praise when the touchdown happened, I don't think they're giving that same praise when the interception takes place. My point is, humanity, our praise is connected to success. Our praise is, is connected to victories. Our praise is, but the paradox in Scripture, your praise has got to go to God no matter what's going on. So when you're not on the mountaintop, that praise has to come out. When you're in the valleys low, the praise has to come out. When you are bound and beaten and rejected and ashamed and bruised and wounded, the praise has got to be birthed outside of you. What is Job's response? Job chapter 1 verse 21. What does he say? He just finds out he is a man that owns many cattle, many herds, many of his camels, sheep, oxen, the donkeys. Not saying the other word. He owns all these things. And he finds out in a, in a moment that one after the next, after the next, after the next, they're gone. These people stole it. These people stole it. Uh, God came and took one of them. They're gone. But not only that, hey, Job, also we know you have ten kids Unfortunately, to tell you this, in an accident, they're now all gone. Not one, not two, but all of his children gone in one instance. And while he grieves, yes, while he's hurting, yes, he goes through that moment. But look at the verse 21, what his response is in that pain. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked will I return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes Blessed be the name of the Lord. That word blessed, that's another type of praise found in Scripture. He's offering up praises to God in a moment when it's any other response. I don't know about you, but if I experienced half of what he went through, don't know if it would have been easy to praise. But guess what? It's not meant to be easy. But that's when it matters. And he finds a place on his knees and says, God, you've taken away, you've given, you've taken away, you've given. But it doesn't matter. I'm still going to bless your name because you are worthy. What's your response today when you find yourself battling, when you find yourself wounded, when you find yourself hurting, when you find it easy to justify you staying in your seat, when you find it easy to justify staying at home, when you find it easy to justify not getting to your feet and praising God? What is your response? It's a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of worship, of prayer, of consecration to God, of offering up myself to him. It's a sacrifice. One of the, what I believe to be one of the greatest examples of this found in scripture is by the woman with the name Leah in the Old Testament. Many people might not look to this for that reference, but hopefully by the time I finish you'll understand why I think this is a beautiful reflection of what I'm talking about here today. Leah, many people might not even be familiar with Leah, but I, you're probably familiar with her counterparts. The, one of the biggest love stories found in Scripture, in my opinion, based on Jacob's response, and that's a spoiler for you, Jacob and Rachel. 
Anyone ever heard the term love at first sight? You know, ah, you saw the first time and it was just lights shone down from heaven and they just were there. That's basically the closest example of that is not, not sorry, gentlemen, not that experience you had at Congress. You know, you saw the lady at the event, that hyphen event, and you're like, this is the one, Jesus. You know, maybe it is, but probably not. So just, <laughs> just going to tell you like it is, fellas. But uh, my point is, we think we know what that's like, and, but, but for the reality, most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, it takes some time. There might be, I liked you at first sight, but certainly wasn't love. But probably the closest thing to coming to that as a reality was Jacob. Because this man, in a moment, he sees her from the, be- from the moment he first sees her, he's like, that's the one. I'm making it happen. I don't care what it's going to cost me. I'm making it happen. And he does not work a year. He doesn't work two years. He ends up working 14 years to marry this person. That is seven times longer than I've been married. And he has worked 14 years just to marry Rachel. But halfway through that process, Rachel's family tricks Jacob and now finds, Jacob finds himself marrying Leah, who he didn't want to marry. He did not have a desire to marry Leah. That was not his plan. That was not his goal. He wanted Rachel. So anybody, we got any siblings in this place? You got siblings, you got brothers, sisters, all that. I have siblings, but I grew up an only child, so I don't know of this firsthand experience that you're about to attest to today. But you ever heard of those sibling rivalries? You know, I know you, I know you love your sibling. I know you love your brother. I know your sister. But let's be honest, okay? Sometimes they have the nicer room. Sometimes they got the last cookie, and you're upset about it. Sometimes... Uh, maybe they got more attention from mom today or more attention from dad, and you don't like that. And so there's this little bump in heads. Unfortunately, all the examples I'm giving you are about your childhood, but the reality, and as most adults can probably attest, it doesn't really stop there. The problems just get bigger. They got the nicer house. They got the nicer job. Well, how come mom gave them that at Christmas? Like, it just grows. But, you know, through the grace of God, they learn to, to, to work through that and have a great relationship. My point is, I don't care what your biggest sibling rivalry story is. It will not compare to that of Leah and Rachel. You had to share a bedroom. They had to share a husband. Yeah, let that sink in. You're mad because you have to split the cookie in half. They got to share their husband's time, his attention. But here's the thing. Most of the time, at least should be the case with sibling rivalries. Many of you, okay, let's do this. Let's have some fun. How many of you siblings believe your parents have a favorite? A lot of, people, a lot of you in here. Now, while the parent hopefully doesn't tell you that they have a favorite because I think that's a bit dysfunctional, but hopefully they don't tell you, like, yeah, no, this one's definitely my favorite. But nonetheless, hopefully, that, like I said, you, you think you know and you might, you might have an idea. I don't know. That's, that's your problem, not mine. But my point is, at the end of the day, there was no guessing. There was no thinking about the favorite with Rachel and Leah. Like, you have your reasons, well, they got this, they got that, so I think so-and-so is the favorite. There was no guessing. It is recorded in the Bible that Leah was hated. That's the word used. It says Rachel was loved by Jacob, Leah's hated. In fact, let's go to it. Genesis chapter 29. We'll pick up, um, let's pick up at verse 20, oh, that's chapter 29, verse 31. This is, this is, this is, this is where we're finding ourselves. You can put it on the screen. Verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, let's take this into account. She's hated so much that she's now got God's attention. Now hold on to that. It's going to make a bigger point in a minute. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Now I'll tell you this. Many of you probably know this. I'm sure you've heard it, but for those of you that have not, names are important. Get that now, a little teaching session. They are very important. 
in my situation, was not much thought into the meaning of it. Thankfully, I found the meaning years later because it took Google a while to actually populate the, the, the roots of all the words. But my mom and dad didn't have a baby dictionary that said Jalen in it when they, when they named me. My dad was a uh, Jalen Rose fan and liked the name Jalen and told my mom. She was like, that is a nice name. I like that. Thankfully, it doesn't mean anything crazy. My middle name's Anthony. That's because of my dad's middle name. That's it. That's the history. There was no, like, deep theological study, like, what does this name mean in the Bible? None of my name is found in Scripture, but it's okay. My point is, in Scripture, it has significant meaning. There was a place that was named something because of what transpired there, because of an experience that someone had there. A person, an individual, was named something because their parents went through something when they were born, or their parents believed that this was what who they were supposed to be, what they were supposed to represent. And so they were given this name. And that's exactly what you see happening here with Leah. Because it says she named her son Reuben, which means to be seen. So she says, God sees me in my affliction, so I'm naming my son Reuben. And she believes that now that God sees me where I'm at, things are going to change. Finally, I'm going to get some attention from my husband. Finally, I'll get that love I've been looking for from my husband. But given the next verse, verse 33, obviously that's not the case because what does it say? And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, so she still hated, he hath therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. So now, first it's God sees me, now it's God hears me, but still nothing is changing in her circumstances. I know you're wondering, what does this have to do with praise? We're getting there. Verse 34. And she conceived again, still nothing is changing it, and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons, therefore his name will be called Levi, which means to be joined to. So here's, here's the dilemma Leah's finding herself in right now. She's, she's in this circumstance, she's in this situation, it's not good, it's not pleasant, she doesn't like it. And she gets the attention of God. But unfortunately, up to this point, Leah has been so focused on what she's going through, she missed the miracle that took place to begin with. Because what happened? First, she has her first son, and she says, God sees me. Then she has her second son and says, God hears me. She has the attention of God, but now God's even drawing closer to her. Because guess what? I can see all of you in this place. But if I hear you, you've got to first have my attention, and I've got to draw closer to you. I can't just hear all of you from back here. So if, if I, let me look at, look at science. There's a speed of light. That's what you see. There's a speed of sound. Which one's faster? Light. That's why the lightning strikes and then you hear the thunder. That's why this something falls in the distance and you see it first and then you hear it. Because your sight is a distance thing. Your hearing requires me to get closer to you. And so she's got the attention of God, but she's so focused on what she's going through, she doesn't even realize God's like, I'm here. I see you, Leah. I hear you. The next process should have been she got joined to God. But she still was so focused on what she was going through. She's like, now I can be joined to who? My husband. She was still so consumed, so perspective-driven by what her circumstance was, she missed the fact that God was there the entire time. What is it that God is trying to draw out of you or draw closer to you in? We miss it. We get so focused on what we're dealing with. We miss the fact that God's saying, I'm here and I want to get closer to you. But you're too busy looking at the mountaintop instead of looking at the mountain mover. Why don't you get your eyes off your problem and get your eyes on your God? But I'm thankful to say today, there was a shift in Leah's perspective. At some point, 
something changed. It wasn't after the first son. It wasn't after the second. It wasn't after the third. But something transpired in her heart in between the third son and the fourth because you see a different response. The next verse, verse 35, it says, And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Her circumstances didn't change. Her husband still didn't love her more than he loved Rachel. His attention wasn't more focused on her now than it was Rachel. But she realized it does not matter what I'm going through because God is always worthy. And despite what it feels like, despite what it looks like, I'm going to give birth to my praise. Leah's praise was birthed out of her pain. Leah's praise was birthed out of her rejection. Leah's praise was birthed out of her suffering. What is God trying to birth out of you today? But you get so focused on what it feels like and what it looks like that you miss the moment. Something shifted and Leah said, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter if nothing changes. I'm giving this to God because he's worthy. And that praise, I told you earlier how there's different types of praise. That specific praise reference is the one of surrender. It's the root word used to basically say this. I'm giving everything to you. I'm opening it up. I don't want it. So that tells me Leah literally said, God, I don't like this. I don't want it, but I want you. So take me. Have your way. Do what you will. I don't care if it never changes. You matter, and that's all I care about. There is power in your praise. There is power in your worship. There is power in your response to your circumstances. Why does it matter? Why, why does it matter? Is it, it's just this moment. It's just an issue right now. No, it extends beyond just right now. Because I'm here to tell you this. Let's, let's do another little history lesson here. Which, so if you're not familiar, Jacob has a lot of sons. All of his sons and sons of his sons are used to name the tribes of Israel. The people that are broken up in the part of in the in the body of in the in the, in the body of God in the Old Testament, the, it, the chosen generation, the chosen people, Israel, broken up into twelve tribes, named after the sons. Guess which tribe Jesus comes from? Judah. Not 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 Rachel's sons, not the favorited ones, not the beloved ones. No, Judah, son of Leah. On both sides, Matthew chapter 1, lineage of the father from the line of Judah. Luke chapter 3, lineage of the mother from the, from the tribe of Judah. Both sides, double dipped, Judah. That's where it comes from. So if I could say it this way, Leah's praise was birthed from her rejection. But her deliverance came because of her praise. Her praise birthed something, in, or, or, or her rejection, her suffering, her pain gave birth to her praise. But it would be that line from her praise that would bring about the deliverance. That would bring about the deliverer. That would bring about the one that would set you free from every shame, every shackle, every pain, every trial, every tribulation. But it had to come from a place of pain. It had to come from a place of rejection. What would Leah have gotten, what would Leah have removed herself from? If in that moment she still stayed focused on what she was dealing with. And she said, you know what, God, I could give birth to praise right now. But instead, I'm just going to keep staying where I'm at and focusing on my husband and my issues at hand. What would she have cut out of her life? What would she have aborted? Here, let me say it to you this way. 
Your response to your circumstances, your response to your situations, your response to your problems is either going to birth your praise or abort your promise. The choice is up to you. Your response to your trials right now will give birth to something inside of you that gives God glory and gives God honor or it's going to remove you from the things that God wants to do in your life. The choice is up to you. I've got to make a decision in my heart. I've got to make a decision in my spirit. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how uncomfortable. I don't care how uncomfortable I am. At the end of the day, you're getting everything from me. I'm not staying focused on my pain. I'm not staying focused on my problem. But I'm turning my attention towards the head. Come on, come on, I'll get back in a moment, right? Why don't you just let that go for a moment? Why don't you find your dance? Why don't you find your song? Why don't you find... Don't allow your promises to be left behind. Because you can't get past what you're going through. We cannot be waiting simply for the circumstances to change. For my response to be given towards God. Because if I decide to sit in my sorrow. If I decide to sit in my pain. Whether I realize it or not. I am letting go of the things that God is calling me to. And grabbing a hold of the things that God is trying to get me out of. But it's dependent upon my response. And not So don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life, through your life. Because you get so focused on looking at the mountain in front of you. You get so focused on dealing with the storm that surrounds you. Because here's the big picture. It doesn't end with just you and your life. Why does it matter? So what? I choose to sit here. That's going to be my decision. It only impacts me. No, it doesn't. Because what happened in the book of Acts, I just read it. Want me here? Let's read it again. Going back to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Their testimony, their, their singing became a testament to someone else. But then here we go. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose, not just Paul's. Not just Silas's, but the person next to them. The person three cell blocks down. Their chains, their shackles. What if someone's right next to you and needs to be delivered from the same thing you're going through? But God says, I'm waiting on your response. 
Don't let the person, young people, don't let the person at your campus, don't let the person at your school miss out because you refuse to move. People in this sanctuary, don't let the person next to you miss out on a miracle because you're so focused on looking at your problem. Your praise is not only the key to your deliverance. It's the key to those around you. It's the key to people around you being set free from the, sh- the same chains, the same shackles. I go, through, I go through times of anxiety or fear or depression. I'm connected to the Holy Ghost so I can get access. But what if I decide to behave the same way someone without the Holy Ghost behaves when they're going through anxiety, when they're going through depression, when they're battling fear? There's no testimony. There's no me saying, no, 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 let me show. So you know, what, you know what this tells me? They're waiting to see my response. When I'm going through the same thing, that when I'm experiencing the same shackles, the same chains, the same pain, the same hurt, the same rejection, is my response different? Can they look at me and say, I don't get it. You, you've suffered loss. You've suffered pain. But there's a smile on your face. There's a pep in your step. There's a, there's a joy in your spirit. Why? Because I'm connected to someone and something that supersedes my pain. That supersedes my problem. How shall they hear without a preacher? How is the person next to you going to get the good news? How is the person next to you going to experience what they need to experience except your testimony? Except your word speaking up and saying, this is what the word of God says. I know it's dark right now, but the Bible says this. I know, the, I know it's hurting right now, but God is my healer. I know it's painful right now, but God is my provider. He is my comforter. How will you respond? But guess what? It gets bigger. And I believe this part applies today. For some of you, you may not, some of you here, you may have never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking over tongues. You, never, you may have never been baptized in Jesus' name. That is an opportunity provided for you here today. But guess what? I'm going to tell you this. I was having a conversation with someone about this for a different reason, but still the same thing. What if I told you that someone getting the Holy Ghost here today, someone's door being open to receiving a gift from God was dependent on your response? I think I'm just shooting from the hip. You want to see in the word of God? Let's go. Next, where were we at? What verse were we on? We were on verse 26, and the bands were loose. Verse 27, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. He and all of his. That was a door to someone's salvation that was opened because someone decided to get a praise in their spirit that went beyond how they felt. That went beyond how it hurt. 
What if I tell you there are people in this room that need the Holy Ghost, that they want to experience what that feels like to have God's Spirit dwelling inside of them, but they need to see, does this church feel different than what I've experienced before? Is there something different here? That I, I've been to churches. I've, I've been to religious groups. I've, I've gone here. I've gone there. But is there something different here that's going to be dependent upon your response? You decide to respond the same way every other church responds, the same way every other person responds. Where's the testimony? Where's the testimony to what God can do in your life? Where's the testimony to who God is for you? Your response to what you're dealing with is not only going to be the key to your deliverance. It's not only going to be the key to people being delivered around you, but it's also going to be the key to someone else's salvation. Don't let someone go another day experiencing truth. Don't let someone go another moment without knowing what God's spirit feels like because you refuse to move. You refuse to praise. You refuse to worship. You refuse to surrender. You refuse to bow down your pride and your I mentioned there's several different types of praise mentioned in the scripture. They all reference different things, focus on different attributes, different areas, what have you. There's the intense, dramatic, crazy screaming. Basically make yourself as noticeable as possible kind of crazy praise. That's what I said a lot of people end up doing in this world today, but it has nothing to do with going towards God. There's a praise that has to do with spontaneous singing. Literally singing songs that have not been sung before. Writing your own music, if you will. There's praise that is about... Uh, 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 just giving worship and, 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 and finding this place of surrender. There's a, there's a type of praise that literally references being bent on your knees and being finding that place. That's the kind of praise that Job found in his heart. In that pain and that suffering, he humbled himself and said, God, I'm still going to bless you. What's awesome is the praise that Leah experiences, it wasn't this dance around, shout and holler kind of praise. It was that praise of surrender. It was that praise of lifting up my hands. And, and, and offering myself up unto God. Believe it or not, that was a position that Leah probably found herself in many a times. Except her, 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 her hands like this tended to what happens a lot today. They kind of meant something completely different. Instead of God, here I am, it was God, fill me up. How many times do we come to church? Do we come to sing songs of, to, to lift up God? But our perspective is all about God, what can I get? I'm struggling right now. God, I need you to minister to me. God, I'm hurting right now. I need you to minister to me. That's what Leah was dealing with. Leah was sitting there, and she's, she's like, God, I, I'm rejected. I need you to help me. God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm neglected by my husband. I need you to help me. God, I want to be joined to my husband. Help me. But finally, it became no longer about what God can do for Leah, but it became about what Leah can do for God. And she said, same position as before, but instead of me saying, fill me up, God, help me, it was, God, this is for you. God, I give this to you. God, I surrender this to you. God, I let it go. Do what you want in me. Do what you want through me. Do what you want around me. I'm not consumed anymore with my circumstances. I'm not focused anymore on what I'm dealing with, but I'm going to just simply give it to you because you deserve it. I was really hoping not have to do this. 
Yeah, things look different at home. Thank you, Father. Give me grace. Give me strength, God. As many of you are aware, some of you may not be, I'll fill you in now. Earlier this year, Esther and I found out we were pregnant with our first child. Very excited, great expectation, you know, we're going to our ultrasound, expecting to hear great news and get a picture and all those awesome experiences. Only to be met with disappointment when they say they can't find a heartbeat. When I say the oxygen, it felt like it just left the room. I, I've never felt anything like it. I, But uh, we basically, from what I'm told, it was a unique experience. We basically got a heads up. We were told there's no heartbeat. Everything's still happening and everything's still there. So basically, at some point, you can just expect to have to miscarry. And uh, it was unique. A lot of times, at least what I've been told, most people, they find out in the moment while it's happening. I'm going to be discreet for the mixed audience. But you find out in the moment, okay, something's wrong. It wasn't like that. We were going expecting good news, and it was, no, this is actually very bad. This isn't okay. And so we're in this, in this moment, and, and we we're preparing for the worst, and we're just like, God, you just we trust you and just give us strength, give us grace. We're grieving. We're mourning this loss that technically hasn't even happened yet. But there was still this hope and faith inside of us, even in that, that says, you know what, God? You're the giver and taker of life, so you could just breathe life right back and just be fine. They'll find the heartbeat. Everything's okay. We would be in this weird limbo for 10 days waiting trying to go to sleep but we can't because every single time you're like what's going on what's happening 10 days where we just had no idea all we could do is say god you're in control until finally the 10th day arrives and it's happening and we're like okay this is where we're at this is this is what we're dealing with and we did not sleep at all that night for obvious reasons and i was i was confused i was frustrated i was angry I'm human. And I came to church in the midst of all of that going on. It would be several weeks of back and forth and other issues and other problems. And at one point I came to service and uh, I just walked in. I was like, God, please don't let them sing praise songs today. I just, and like I said, I know praise is different types of, there's different types of praise and there could be a a calm, quiet kind of praise, but my, I just, I was like, God, I need one of those worship songs, you know, where I can just come in and Lord, fill me up. God, I need you to minister to me. God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to, 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 to fix me. That same position Leah was in. God, what can you do for me? And I found myself here that morning, so I said, God, don't let them sing a praise song. Let them sing some of those songs and just, and just get on the ground and weep. I needed to just weep. I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to make it light, not make light. But I, I was like, God, I just, I, just, I just need to be able to just sit and just receive. I don't have a praise in me, God. I don't have the strength to do it. What happens that morning? What do you think they sang? Praise songs. Our super sensitive to the Holy Ghost praise team. I love them. I wasn't in love with them that morning, though. I'll tell you that. I came and I sat down and I'm like, here we go. I guess I'm just standing here. But my spirit would not let me stay still. And I sat there, I was like, God, I don't have this in me. This hurts too much. It's costing me too much. It almost sounds like it's a sacrifice. And I stood there, I was like, God, I don't have it in me. But from my spirit, I heard Job's words, the Lord gives, the Lord takes, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
And I was sitting right here. And I walked myself down to this altar and I just, mouth was closed. My hands were clapping. And I said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then I started singing the words of the song, but my spirit sang all the more. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then I started stopping on my feet. And I just began to worship. And I just began to praise. Because he was worthy. I had to get somewhere inside of me where a, where a praise and a worship could be birthed from a place when it hurt. From a place when I didn't like it. From a place that made me uncomfortable. I'm not here today to tell you that God did a miracle and the baby's back. It's not. The baby's gone. We lost the baby. But guess what? I'm here to tell you my perspective has shifted. And while it still hurts, while we still got to heal, I've got a praise in my spirit and a worship in my heart because it does not matter how dark it gets. I'm... I'm not letting someone next to me miss out on something from God because I'm too prideful and too arrogant to get up off my feet. I'm not letting someone miss out on salvation because I'm too proud and too upset and too weary. Come on, I'm done. Why don't you stand to your feet right now? Come on. Fine, I don't want, I don't want music. Leah didn't have music. Job didn't have a drummer. Paul and Silas didn't have background singers. Find a place in your heart. Find a place in your spirit that says, God, I'm going beyond what I'm going through. I'm reaching past my problems. I'm reaching past my circumstances. And I'm opening up myself. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be light. It's not going to be comfortable. Come on, open up your heart. Open up your heart. Let something be birthed inside of you. Let a travail come out of your spirit. Let praise be birthed. Let worship be birthed. Let something inside come out that's never come out before. Shema, Shiko, Yeta, Shama, Seto, Yekanaba, Site, Hilomondo, Yobosa, Hilalamanda, Yalamasa. Come on, you've got to find a place of praise. You've got to find a place of worship. You've got to find a place of prayer. Yalamasa, Tayalamasa. Go beyond what it feels like. It's going to be uncomfortable. Come on, God, I'm not looking for answers. I'm not looking for deliverance. I'm just looking to give you what you are due. I'm just looking to give what's owed to you. Come on, don't let someone next to you miss out because you refuse to respond. You don't know in the spirit what your reaction is connected to. You don't know what chains and shackles your response is tethered to.
Come on, why don't you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? There's people that are connecting right now. There's people that are digging deep. If you feel you've got what you need, then praise God. Don't get spectacles. Why don't you go and find someone to pray with? Find someone to tether to. Find someone to connect with. Be that Paul that says, you need deliverance, so I'm going to pray. And I'm going to press. And I'm going to help. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I've got to get outside of myself. I've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. It's a vulnerable place, praising and worshiping when you don't feel like it. It's a vulnerable place when you want to praise, you want to worship, but your body says no. Your circumstances say no. Your problems say no. It's a painful place. But you've got to be willing to go beyond that and say, God, you're worthy. And I'm going to praise beyond the circumstance. I'm going to worship in this midnight hour when it's dark and it's painful and it's weary. And I'm hurting and I'm grieving. God, I'm giving it to you. I'm not coming, God, with open arms saying, help me. I'm coming with an open spirit that says, God, take me. Use me. I'm yours. not ever get answers Job didn't get answers but he just learned to trust God you may never get an answer why it had to be so hard you may never get an answer why it had to be you but you just have to make up in your heart God I trust you God I know you're in control and God despite what it looks like and despite how I feel I surrender and I'm going to praise you I'm going to worship you I don't want to miss out on the promises of God in my life because my response right now refuses to let go. I don't want someone else to miss out on an opportunity to know God, to know His truth, to know His love, to know His freedom because I refuse to get outside of myself. I'm not looking for demonstrative. If you want to be demonstrative, go for it. That's not what I'm looking for. Like I said, there's a lot of forms of praise. We have watered down and warped a lot of times what praise is about. It's not just about what I do, but it's about what's coming on from my heart, what's coming from the inside. And there was a praise that Leah found that did not have to do with her volume. There was a praise that Job offered that did not have to do with some demonstrative form of worship. It just had to do with what his heart said to God, what his spirit said to God. Mundo ya mama kasi da bashaye. 
Come on, there, there are people that are getting something deep. Do not miss out. If you genuinely feel deacons, leaders of this church, if you feel like you're okay, why don't you find someone that might not be where you're at? There are people that are needing some help right now. experience the power of the Holy Ghost for yourself. You have not experienced God's Spirit dwelling inside of you, evidenced by speaking other tongues. I invite you to come down to this altar, and I'm going to pray with you. And I believe in the name of Jesus, we pray. God is going to loose. He's going to, he's going to pour himself out, and he's going to fill you with his Spirit. It's a vulnerable thing to walk down to this front, but I need you to take a step of faith and say, God, I want that. I believe you can experience that today. You can know what it's like to have to go through the same things as everyone else, but go through them with someone backing you that you may not have been able to experience before. A freedom that you may have not been able to encounter before. A power that you may not have been able to experience before. Shalom, 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 Shalom,